we learn about how the natural way that the brain works when there is a corruption within the brain. And probably the one that most people know about is Phineas Gage. So if you ever did any psychology, if you did it in your A-levels, you'll have heard of Phineas Gage. He's basically a dude who had an accident like over 100 years ago now. There was a detonation and a railway spike went through the bottom of his jaw, went through the top of his head, and he survived. But what happened was basically it it destroyed most of the frontal lobe of his brain um, when the spike went through. And he had this massive shift in personality, huge shift in personality. He went from being a really docile, normal person to being really impulsive, really aggressive, and you just really couldn't tell what he was going to do. And that was one of our first insights, the fact that the frontal lobe deals with emotions. And so we've figured out that different parts of the brain do different things from those parts of the brain going wrong. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal of what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right, where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hello, hello, and welcome back. This is episode 52 of the Get Real About Business podcast. Well, today we're talking about one of the hottest subjects in marketing right now, which is content marketing. It seems that just about everybody is doing it right now. Content marketing is all about attracting prospects and transforming those prospects into customers by creating and sharing valuable free content. As I say, everybody's doing it. Just look at the amount of blogs and white papers and cheat sheets and freebies that you can download. Content is king, so they say. But the reality is that content is only part of that partnership. Marketing is also another aspect. And we must get the two to work together for it to work for us. I think it was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk who said, I'm probably going to get this quote entirely wrong now, but it it goes along the lines of content may be king, but marketing is queen and she rules the house. And so we must get this combination between getting good, valuable content out there and marketing ourselves well in order that we can achieve our goal in order to increase, increase clients um, and increase brand awareness. Now, it's good for so many different reasons, content marketing. Uh, it's low cost, really pretty much only takes your time. It positions you as an expert and it solves an immediate problem for people. This is usually how we go about with content marketing. We focus on an immediate problem, and by doing so, we'll build reciprocity and hook people into our pipeline. You know, start getting people hooked into us, and we can then segue to a bigger problem that we can solve through our products or services. The trouble is that not all content marketing is made equal. And just look at the amount of blogs out there that are offering, you know, some of them are really good, but a lot of them are are pretty banal and uninteresting and they just don't do what we want them to do as marketers. They're not generating enough interest. And I don't think that anybody actually sits down to say, I want to write something that's boring or uninteresting or rubbish. I think that usually it's because we don't understand what it is that our customers need and what makes content marketing work. So today I want to dig deep. We're looking at Not just what's working well in content marketing, but it's why it's working well. Specifically, we're going to be looking at how the brain makes purchase decisions, why content marketing works, and we're going to be going through your customer journey framework. And this is really important. 
My guest today is going to really break this down for you. And in fact, what I'm going to be doing is putting together a, a download of my own, a piece of my own content marketing. If you want to get the cheat sheet on this, then you can just go to the show notes page, which you'll find at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 52. And you can download that customer journey framework there. So if you're listening to this at home and you can pause it now, you can go and get that now. It's at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 52. Or you can get it at the end of the show. I will remind you. Now, before we get into this today, it's time for our listeners spotlight. Now, we've been fortunate enough to get some really great reviews on the show. And I want to take a moment to thank the people and acknowledge those who've done that. So today, I want to thank Katie H. Brooks for her recent five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, we all know that as iTunes, but it's Apple Podcasts now. Now, Katie says, great show for small business owners who are looking for real advice on how to take their business to the next level. So much actionable content packed into this podcast. Thank you so much, Katie, for your review. I can't stress enough how important these podcast reviews are. Not only do they help listeners get a fair assessment of the show, but they also can influence how discoverable a podcast is. And so, of course, that's the goal for all of our podcasters. It's about, you know, we have a message and we want to share that. And for me, that's all about how you create and grow a successful business. So I want to thank you again, Katie, for the five-star review. I appreciate you took the time to do that. And for my other listeners who are listening today, if you are enjoying this podcast and you get value from it today, I want to encourage you to do the same. A five-star review would be really appreciated and it helps us make sure that this podcast is on the map. So you never know, it could be your name that I'm reading out in next week's podcast. But it's time now to meet a guest for today as we talk about content marketing, who is an expert in the field of marketing and business automation. She is founder of Automation Ninjas and an award-winning author of the most excellent book, Hack the Buyer Brain. She majored in forensic psychology, and she is an Infusionsoft certified partner and consultant. It's my sincere pleasure to welcome to the show today, Kenda McDonald. Hey, Kenda, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Thanks, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome to have you here today. How have you been? Yeah, really good. Busy, which is always good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Despite all the automation you're doing, you're still keeping you busy. Oh, yeah. It keeps me more busy than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, there's, there's no sense uh, sitting around doing nothing, is there, right? No. Okay. So we've got a big topic to talk today, and I know that we're going to dive deep because we've had quite a chat before, and we know what we're going to go through. So I'm going to get into this, but before we do that, I just want to sort of get a sense of who you are. And so one of the things that we started recently, a couple of episodes ago, we were just speaking before we started today, we started with a random question. And I've got a list of random questions that you can choose from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the idea being that uh, we're going to get to a bit of a sense of who you are as a person. So you're up for this. Yeah, I mean, slightly terrified, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> slightly terrified. Okay. So these questions that I've got written down here are actually the questions that have come from my listeners and people in my, my Facebook group and people that I've spoken to on social media. So uh, thank you to those people who've contributed there. Would you like to pick a number, Kenda, between 1 and 18? I'll give you a question. Let's go for 13. Lucky number 13. 13. 13. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Kenda, can you name 
your two favorite mobile apps that you've got on your phone right now and what does it say about you as a person? Okay, well, I'm going to do one definitely non-business related one. Actually, no, I'll just do two non-business related ones. Okay, number one is Reddit. Oh, Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Number one is definitely Reddit, the thing I uh, probably spend way too much time in. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely a, like a, an information hoarder. Um, and Reddit is just so good for getting a, a real idea of what the world is up to, uh, completely unfiltered. <laughs> um, and also getting a little bit into the minds of people while reading the comments in the, in, in the threads. Um, but it also allows you to go down rabbit holes for information. But it's, um, it's, a, it's a time sinkhole, so it's something I have to keep an eye on. Um, and then the second app is going to be Calm. There's an app called Calm. And um, I have real difficulty sleeping at nighttime. I have ADHD and I find it very difficult to switch my brain off um, in the evening. So I use Calm, which has a rain noise. <laughs> I just I play this rain noise in the background at nighttime. And if it wasn't for that app, I don't think I'd sleep at all. So. Wow. Um, those are my two favorites because one I can't live without and the other one I can't sleep without. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, you know, what's your favorite Reddit channel? Is there there's something that you read a lot? Oh, what's my favorite subreddit? Oh, good heavens. It's going to give a little bit too much away, I think. <laughs> um, so it's definitely um, a very silly subreddit and I can't quite remember what the name is. Um, I think it's called Murdered by Words. And so it's basically a subreddit, which is all about what, like really, really harsh comebacks to people saying things. <laughs> so someone will put like a tweet out about something and then someone will just completely dismantle them via response. And it's like, it's the, it's the one subreddit, which I'm always going, ooh, <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> but some people have got some really, really good, witty, come back so they just dismantle people so murdered by words is probably my favorite subreddit i love that i love that i will we'll have to put the link up on the show notes page and you know it's it sounds like the kind of thing that i always wished that i was bright enough to be able to or creative enough to be able to come up with myself but uh, some people have a really good way of words <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's one of those things that you just get such enjoyment especially when it's like like a nasty comment where someone's put something nasty up and someone's dismantled them yeah <laughs> gives you that um it gives you that sense of justice as well <laughs> i love it love it and i thought it was interesting calm is that c-a-l-m yeah calm like the word calm yeah, calm. It's, a, yeah. it's really good i mean it does like loads of other stuff as well it has like meditation stuff and i'm not really into that kind of stuff but there is loads of cool stuff in there there's stuff for kids as well so like if you're having difficulty getting your kids sleeping there's stories that you can you know play for your kids and it's all about that, that kind of being calm and learning to be calm. So there's loads of exercises that you can go through to help you sleep at night, but there's also things that can help you like just be less anxious during the day or help you reduce your stress and, and that kind of stuff. So it's a great app for various different reasons, but it, um, one of my friends downloaded it recently and she loves the stories. So they do bedtime stories right. uh, read by celebrities. So like there's stories read by Morgan Freeman, there's stories read by all these different like really big A-list celebrities that people listen to to just like help, you know, chill them out at nighttime, I guess. But I just listen to the rain noise. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so actually, rain would make me depressed. I, I was tend to find that rain is quite miserable, but <laughs> but maybe I love the sound of rain though. <laughs> it do. Yeah, a lot of people do like babies fall asleep, you know, because the yeah. rain. This is this white noise, isn't it? Um, yeah. But both of my boys, uh, they've, they've both grown up now, but they've also got ADHD. So I'll I'll have to recommend it. Well, it's really it's really good for. Um, White noise in the background is really good for helping switch off different uh, patterns. So people with ADHD very often, and I'm one of them, have difficulty moving from one pattern to another. So I have difficulty moving from awake to asleep and then from asleep to awake. So in the mornings, it takes me about two hours to wake up properly. Um, so I have to go through a whole process to wake myself up and move between those two states. Um, wow. And the Calm app just helps me do that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting insight there. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, let, let, now we've done the fun part, let's do the serious part, <laughs> which is all about content marketing. And what we want to do is really go into this quite deep today. And I, I know that you have come from a background in forensic psychology. But can you just tell us a little bit about that before we sort of dip into this? What's forensic psychology? So forensic psychology is really an umbrella term. Um, and it's an umbrella term for anything that has to do with psychology in the criminal justice system. So right. when you say um, when you say forensic psychology, most people think of popularized TV shows like Criminal Minds. They think of criminal profilers, basically. That's that's yeah. the main thing that people think of. That was what I was studying, but there is a lot more to forensic psychology than just criminal profiling. For instance, there's um, that kind of element of it, but there's also anything where you have to assess the mental health of somebody. The mainstay of forensic psychology is assessing the mental health of prisoners um, and assessing, you know, like how people are doing in the prison system or helping people through various different things in the prison system. So therapy or, um, you know, drug addiction or anything like that. And then there can also be a more kind of theoretical application where people are doing research into various different mindsets and the thing that I like about it the most is that we've learned the most throughout history. We've learned the most about the brain from when the brain goes wrong. So we learn about how the natural way that the brain works when there is a corruption within the brain. And probably the one that most people know about is Phineas Gage. So if you ever did any psychology, if you did it in your A-levels, you'll have heard of Phineas Gage. He's basically a dude who had an accident like over 100 years ago now. Um, and a railway uh, spike, there was um, a detonation and a railway spike went through um, the bottom of his jaw, went through the top of his head and he survived. But what happened was basically it, it destroyed most of the frontal lobe of his brain when the spike went through. And he had this massive shift in personality, huge shift in personality. He went from being a really docile, normal person to being really impulsive, really aggressive. Um, and you just really couldn't tell what he was going to do. And that was one of the, our first insights, the fact that the frontal lobe deals with emotions. And so we've figured out that different parts of the brain do different things from those parts of the brain going wrong. And forensic psychology is really an insight into what goes wrong with the brain. And so there's some really cool things that we've learned as a result. Like we've learned the fact that Parkinson's and really serious schizophrenia are two ends of the spectrum. So if you've got too much production, you get one thing. Too much production of a certain drug, you get one thing. And if you've got too little production of a certain drug in the brain, you get another thing. And we learned that from the fact that forensic psychologists were giving 
people with schizophrenia a certain drug and they were developing Parkinson's as a result from it. So you get this amazing kind of interaction where we're learning things about how the brain works because it's gone wrong in, in an element. And that was why I was originally attracted to forensic psychology. And I was going to get into uh, criminal profiling. That's what I studied. That's what I came to the UK for. Wow. Um, but I ended up using it in marketing instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. I'm, it's making me want to go back to university. Yeah, you should. Everybody should. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. But, you know, the best thing for us is that we get to have you here to bring in psychology into marketing because, you know, we do know that if we understand how people think and how people behave, then we can start to change our behavior and what we do in order to get better results. Yeah, that's it. And better results for us, but also better results for the, yeah. the prospect. So it's, it's not necessarily about manipulating people, you know, unfairly. No. It's, it's about understanding what drives people and how we can uh, use I that. Think that's, I think that's a really important distinction to make before we get into any of this stuff. Yeah. The most important thing is consumers aren't stupid. So your audience isn't stupid and you cannot treat them like they're stupid. If you try and manipulate them into doing something, they will know. And mm. the easiest way to really get this through to people is the fact that we literally evolved to pick up when people were doing things wrong or to pick up when something is wrong. That's one of our biggest survival mechanisms is to figure out when something is wrong somewhere so you can either fight it or run away from it. Right. You know? We are there to figure out when something's going wrong. So if you think you're being really clever by manipulating people, you're literally trying to say that you are cleverer than thousands of years of evolution. So it's just not worth it. It's going to go wrong at some point for you. So rather try and use the understanding to be a better provider because people will always go to the better provider. Be the best provider possible of whatever product or service you offer. Understand your audience and then create stuff specifically for that. Don't try and manipulate them. It's stupid. Yeah, I th that's really interesting. I think you're, you're spot on there. People do spot a fake. They do. And one of the challenges for us as marketers and small business owners is the fact that we are competing for attention. And yeah. you know, there's so many people out there saying that they offer a similar kind of thing, similar product, mm -hmm. similar service you know, in a different way. And so we're all competing for everybody's attention at the same time as well, that there are certain things going on in people's minds that are preventing them from moving forward. Yeah. Now that might be because we're not a match, which is, you know, one thing, or it might be other things going on in their minds that are holding them back. And, and sometimes we are legitimately the solution to somebody's problems yeah. or whatever they want in their life. But there are things that prevent them from moving forward. So, you know, I think that this is where marketing by embracing psychology and influence can be better at taking mm -hmm. people through to the, you know, what would be a logic, you know, good logical conclusion for both you as the marketer and the, the, the customer. To start this off, talk us through psychology of content marketing. What should we know? Well, I guess let's start with the purchase decision. Because that's like really the thing that we're all trying to get. But interestingly, is the thing that we need to reverse back from and build backwards from. Um, so we're all trying to get somebody to make a decision to buy a product. But we're not just trying to get them to make a decision to buy a product. We want them to buy our product, our service. We want yeah. them to invest money in us. And everything that we do from marketing, from content is, is all trying to get that. But we go about it completely the wrong way. 
So we're doing the right things, but for the wrong reason very often. And there's been some really, really cool insights in the last 10 or so years into how the brain actually works. So as technology has expanded, as we've had the capability to really use fMRI systems to see how the brain is actually doing stuff, we've had some really cool insights. And there was a really cool experiment done by Professor Brian Knutson. I always pronounce it Knutson, but it's actually Knutson. I found this out the other day and I was like, oh God, I said it wrong so many times. Um, <laughs> but he did this great experiment um, with some of his colleagues where he put people in an fMRI scanner and he said to them, okay, you've got this amount of money. Here's, here's the money. You've got this amount of money to spend on certain products. We're going to show you pictures of the products. We're going to show you the price of the product, and then you need to press a button to say whether or not you would purchase this product. So really simple. They have money. They're going to see the product. Are they going to buy it? Yes or no. See the product, see the price, yes or no. Right. Really, really straightforward. And they're in the fMRI scanner while this is happening. And so the most universal example, because I showed them loads of things, was a box of chocolates. Most <laughs> people like chocolates, right? Yeah. Um, unless you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> Um, so he basically showed them the picture of a very uh, predominant brand of chocolates in the U.S., Godiva chocolates or luxury chocolates in the U.S. So our version would be like Lindor. And then he showed them the price and then he said, would you buy it? And what was really, really interesting is when people saw the product that they wanted, the reward centers of the brain lit up. Makes total sense, right? Yeah, yeah. See something you want, you emulate having it, your brain's like, yeah, I like that. And so the reward centers light up. However, what was particularly fascinating is when they saw the price. Because when people saw the price of the box of chocolates, we kind of thought that like some of the more logical parts of the brain would light up while people are trying to figure out whether or not it's a good price. We were completely wrong. It was the pain centers of the brain that lit up. Mm. So literally, the parts of the brain that deal with both physical trauma and emotional trauma so the same part that lights up when you stub your toe or you like, you know, cut your finger while you're chopping vegetables or the part of your brain that lights up when people are being bullied, that part of the brain is what lights up when we see the price of something. And this was irrespective of the product. When people see the price of a product, that's the part of the brain that lights up. And so this kind of actually makes sense because your money is a resource. You're giving your resource away. And... Because it's a resource that is there for survival, the brain knows that by giving that resource away, we're giving a survival element of ourselves away. So we're making it less likely for ourselves to survive. The brain doesn't like giving resources away. It wants to hoard them. And so in order to understand the modern world, the way that the modern process works, we're hacking a part of our brain that was never intended for its use. So we're, we're kind of saying that, you know, giving away our resources is painful. So seeing the price of a product is painful because we might be giving our resources away. That's how we understand the cost of something. Yeah. But that was fascinating in its own because that has its own implications. But then he started to realize that by looking at these two different areas of activation and then whether or not someone was going to press the button to say yes, that they're going to purchase it that they started to become, it was a formula basically. The brain is working out by the amount of reward activation versus the amount of pain activation, whether or not it's going to buy something. So they were looking at the scans and they could see before the person pressed the button, they could see whether or not that person was actually going to purchase. So before that person had decided, I'm going to buy this or I'm not going to buy it, just by the amount of activation, they could say yes or no. 
Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? Basically, what they figured out was that the reward activation had to be really high. So the more someone wanted something, the more reward activation there was. And then the, the pain activation, so the cost of something, had to be as low as possible in order for that, for that person to decide yes. So we now know that there is a specific formula that the brain goes through in order to work out whether or not it's going to purchase something. And that formula is that the net value of something is equal to the amount of reward activation minus the amount of pain activation. And if that net value is high, so if it's positive and it's high, the person will purchase. But if it's not, the person's not going to purchase. And that has some really serious implications for our marketing. Really, really serious. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was just thinking is that there is this moment of truth when you present your product, your service to somebody yeah. and you tell them how much it is and you invite someone to, to make a purchase. Quite often you can see the cogs going around in people's heads. They might be excited about what it is that, that's on offer, but there's also this hesitancy that, oh yeah, yeah. it's also a lot of money. And, and usually what we do is we think about what's it worth? What is my product or service worth? And so what we're thinking about is what is a fair exchange? So if I do this for you or give you this product, you know, what is fair to get back for that? But really what you're saying is that actually we don't, you know, people aren't looking for a fair exchange because they're looking for a fair exchange. That is no net gain that all they're doing is swapping money for something else and they're not getting anything extra. The value is about, comes back to that formula, quite like that amount of reward activation minus the amount of pain activation that will give you a net value, but that needs to be a positive figure and the bigger, the bigger, the better. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's really interesting because there's, there's various different ways that you can influence this formula. So there's, there's basically two different ways that you can influence it. You can either decrease the pain activation so that it's as low as possible, or you can increase the reward activation. So the one is better than the other. Okay. Okay, so Decreasing the pain activation is great. You should try and decrease the, the, the perceived cost or something. You should always try and do that. However, even when something was one pence, even when it was tiny, tiny little amount of money, basically people just went, you, the brain has to understand cost by emulating pain. So that activation is always going to be there for cost. However, it's the reward activation that we can massively increase. And as long as that massively outweighs the cost, then we, then we get what we want, right? So it's much more economical to try and increase the amount of reward activation versus trying to decrease pain activation. You're going to get much more focus. And if you look at luxury brands, they do this phenomenally well because he, he put people through and had a look at what was happening in their brain when they were looking at a luxury brand. So yeah. you can take the same handbag, and the example I always use is a plastic bag is the same as like a luxury designer handbag, right? Because yeah. it holds stuff. That's it. That's what a handbag is there for. It's to hold stuff. It's to get stuff from point A to point B. But people always bulk at that, even though the logic is sound. It's the same thing. It's the fact that the luxury brand gives you a high perception of reward. So you get a much higher reward value activation when you see a luxury brand. And that's because the luxury brand has worked really hard to make you think that they are much better than a plastic bag. And so 
you need to be focusing on doing that for your own company. You need to be focusing on making sure that you're increasing the perceived reward value. And that is what content marketing does so, so well, because it helps you build a relationship. And as you're building a relationship, your reward value increases for something. So it's quite interesting here. We should really think about what content actually is because it's not just blogs. It's not just podcasts. It's everything that you are saying. It's every picture you put out, every sentence, everything that you utter is content. Everything that has to do with communicating what your product or your service is or who your company is, is content. And all of that content should be increasing the perceived reward value. And, and content marketing naturally does this. Okay. <laughs> so this is fascinating. Sorry, there's noises going on in the background here. It was great. That was like the perfect <laughs> end point. It was like, <laughs> so I was silly enough not to uh, turn my phone off. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that now. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but yeah, this, this absolutely fascinates me for a number of different reasons. One is that we are taught in marketing that people will more readily move away from pain rather than toward pleasure. And so maybe the thinking is then that actually the best thing that we can do from a marketing and psychology standpoint is to reduce pain activation. And so, you know, I'm guessing that's where things like split payments, like, you know, splitting your payments up or giving, uh, giving guarantees, things like that. I'm guessing that's where that comes in. Yeah, definitely. So that's all reducing the the pain activation. But your job should have been with quality content to get them to the point where the reward so outweighs the pain that they're willing to go, okay, I'll do I'll do split payments or I'll, you know, I'll take the guarantee because, you know, if it doesn't work out, then I can get my money back. So there's a there's a lot more than than just working away from something. And what I think is really interesting that we've done in the last 10 years is that a lot of the the things that we've kind of been blindly stabbing in the dark with marketing, we're starting to understand why they work. So we've been doing a lot of the right things, but for the wrong reason. (laughs) With content, we've been creating, we've been building relationships with people, we've been putting quality information out there, and we know that that influences the purchase, but we never knew why. Now we know why it works because that person builds a relationship. They now see you as more valuable. And as they see you as more valuable and see your brand and your company is more valuable and they trust you more, the reward activation is higher than the pain activation. And so you start to have that little payoff. And, and so we kind of understand now how the brain works when it comes to content marketing. It's really cool. I love it. I love it. It's interesting that you said, I, I completely agree here about the, uh, sort of focusing more on what you can do for rewarder activation, because actually you've got more choices there as well. So that's good news is, yeah. you know, you do have more choices there. I mean, you can give bonus content. You can give, yeah. all, all, there's, there's extra you can put on, isn't there? Yeah. It's, it's important that you've got to do both of them. You do have to, you do have to do both. You can't just be like, my price is so much. And then just expect that people, people will do it. If it pales in comparison to the rest of the market, you're going to have a real, a real hard time. So you have to decrease the pain, but you should focus, you should focus predominantly on increasing the reward activation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, price is always about context. It's the context in which that price is, is placed. Love it, love it. And that's really good overview to sort of buying and, and selling in general. Mm. Uh, let's think about more with content marketing. How is it people using content marketing these days to generate leads? Okay. 
So predominantly what people are doing is they're writing blog posts, they're creating really great videos, they're creating really great podcasts, um, and they're putting information out there that is valuable to an audience. The audience stumbles across this, or perhaps you're doing advertising or whatever you're doing. You're driving somebody to a piece of content. They see the content, they like the look of the content, and maybe they'll sign up for something that you've got. That's a lead magnet, right? They'll yeah. sign up for something and then you'll be plopped into a sales funnel. That's how most people are using content. And it makes sense. People have something that they want, you provide that thing that they want, and, and then you kind of go off. Now, the big problem with this is I get a lot of people telling me content marketing doesn't work. Um, and no, <laughs> not that it doesn't work, it's that you're doing it wrong. So again, doing the right things, but unfortunately for the wrong reasons. It's not just about matching up what people want. It's about being very clear about what that consumer wants, what the journey is that they need to go on to get to the point where they're ready to make the purchase decision and making sure that your, your content matches up with that. So it's figuring out where is that person starting on their journey? So why are they suddenly interested in what you have to offer? How do you then match up what you've got to offer to where that person is and making sure you've got a really nicely laid out journey all the way up until the purchase decision? Love it. Love it. Yeah. And actually that, that journey, understanding that journey, it took me quite a while to figure this out, actually. It really did. Because I think sometimes we think we know what people need and we think that this seems like yeah. a clear logical plan, but mm. it certainly seemed to me that it takes a lot of test and measure in order to you know, yeah. figure out what's right. And also it means speaking to a lot of people and finding stuff out, which uh, ironically is, is something that I didn't do a lot of when I first started out. I just started by broadcasting. And <laughs> yeah, you just, I think that there's an assumption it's difficult because you're an expert, you're good at what you do. And so you assume that you know what people need, but knowing what people need and providing what people want is two very different things. And your job and content is to start off with what people want and help them transition to see what it is that they need and how you provide that. And that can be a difficult journey to take people on. And that's very interesting because actually sometimes what people want or you know, what they think they want and what they actually need are sometimes two different things. Yeah. I remember when I worked back at S County Council, I used to uh, be in a, a health, safety and welfare training and development team. And we would get people phone up saying that they needed health and safety training. And so, you know, what we got into was the pattern of asking people, okay, so what makes you think that you need this training? Rather mm -hmm. than just booking them on, sometimes we just found out that actually all they needed was a copy of the policy. Yeah. Um, you know, which, although it justified my position as a trainer in the organization, you know, it, it was really an overly complicated solution for me to provide training when I could just say, well, here's the link so you can download the policy. And if you have any questions, come back to us then. <laughs> Yeah, I think I find the biggest problem, certainly in my industry and certainly with my audience, is that people think that they need more leads and they don't need more leads. They need to treat their existing customers better because they have more opportunity to get more out of their existing customers and their existing customers want more of a journey with them. So it's one of my biggest struggles is getting people to realize, stop with the lead generation. You've got a really good pool of customers. Let's see if we can get you some customer lifetime value instead. And so there's, there's a big mix match between what people very often think they need and what they actually need. And it, it becomes that, that want and need thing. And content's job is to teach people what that difference is in a nice way. Love it. Love it. And, I, you know, this is one of the big advantages with content marketing is that 
by using good content and focusing mm-hmm. not just on new leads, but also on people already who are within your field of influence, then you can nurture those people and bring them to a, yeah. you know, the point of the sale when you know, quite often we just write people off very early because they didn't make a decision straight away. Exactly. I mean, what I always say to people is, what if there was one thing, just one thing that you could do to get better quality leads that convert at a higher rate, that spend more money with you and are happier with you as customers? And what if you could take every opportunity that comes into your business and it's just one sales opportunity and you turn it into multiple sales opportunities? Would you do that one thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you go, you're doing content marketing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brainer, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put it like that. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Now you spoke about customer journey. This is really important that we understand this. Can I get you to sort of talk a little bit about that and how that links in with content marketing, the kind of things that we should be thinking about? Great. Okay. So a customer journey at its most basic is taking somebody from point A to point B whatever that point A is, to whatever that point B is. For most businesses, that is taking a consumer from the point where they've become aware that they've got an issue or a problem and to the point where they're ready to choose a specific service and and they sort of exchange cash for that service or that product. That is, for the most part, what a customer journey is. It's just the gap in between point A and point B. The important thing for every business is to have a plan for that. And to go, okay, um, I'm not only going to plan from point A to point B, I'm going to plan from point A, so how I get that lead in the first place, to all the individual steps in between point A and point B, so how I build the relationship, how I get them to understand that what they want is not necessarily what they need, how I get them to trust me, how I get them to exchange their contact information, their precious contact information for something of value, how I then get them to convert which is point B. So how I get them to you know, exchange the cash for my product or services. But then what is point C and what is point D and what is point E, which are your additional purchase points, your additional points where that person will spend more money with you, which is so much easier than going back to the beginning and getting another lead. So it's understanding what all those individual points are and planning that all out. And the great thing about that process is that it, really matches a specific process that the brain goes through when it's learning. Um, And so basically a consumer is learning how it works with you. And there is a specific customer journey that people will go through each and every single time to make that purchase decision. And then you just turn that into a plan for your own business and you provide content for each of those steps and automate that. And that is the thing that helps businesses really separate themselves from the competition. It's how you get really good quality leads. It's how you get really high conversions and it's how you get customer lifetime value over the back of that. And there's a specific structure and process that you can go through and content marketing is the backbone of that. Okay. Uh, this sounds great. I want to know it. Uh, take <laughs> us through that specific customer journey, would you, Kenda? Okay, great. So um, what I've done is I've married two different things together. So I've taken the learning process that brains go through in order to help us retain information and make decisions. And I've also taken something called life cycle marketing. So life cycle marketing, most people will have heard of it or have come across it at some point, especially people who have done anything with Infusionsoft (laughs) will have come across it. And the great thing about it is I think unintentionally, 
e-commerce, so anywhere that was selling stuff online at some point in time and taking money online, realized that there was a process that people went through. Yeah. Um, and they kind of created this process in terms of life cycle marketing. But what they didn't realize was is what the brain does as well to make decisions. And the two actually fit really well together, but there was one piece that was missing and I've added that in. So with that little caveat in there, I'm going to take you through it. We talk about four specific stages. So there's attract, which is the first stage and, it, and attract is everything that you do to get a lead in. So it's identifying who your target audience is. It's identifying what is of interest to them and what is valuable to them. And then it's doing that specific thing so that you can get the lead information. So it's everything to get a lead. That's attract. And then you have engage. This was the part that was left out. And it's the most important part of the entire process. It's the thing that you do to influence the purchase decision. And that is you figure out how you add value to that person and how you educate that person. That's content marketing in a nutshell. How are you adding value and what are you doing to educate that consumer and turn them into a better quality lead? And then you have sell. And sell is, as it says in the tin, everything that you do to actually get the sale. But there's kind of two schools of thought with sales. Is either the kind of like Wolf of Wall Street, coffees and closes, kind of like hoorah, hoorah sales <laughs> And then on the other side, which is probably the camp I fall into, is the people who are terrified of sales. Okay, yeah. this is the point where you're like, I'm going to sell you this cup, but I know that you really like cups. So I'm just going to leave it here and I'm just going <laughs> to run away. <laughs> and then you're just, and then you're surprised that the person doesn't actually purchase anything. So there's like a real fear of sales as well, because it is yeah. an icky thing. Um, it's certainly for people like me anyway, it's an icky thing. But if you don't have sales, you don't have a business, right? So you've got to do it. So there's two parts to the sell set section. That yeah. is making the offer and then closing the offer. <laughs> and it sounds so simplistic. But so many people, I will have a look at their marketing automation and they make the offer and they've got nothing in it to close the offer. They've got nothing in it that is specifically there to look at the people who are engaged with that offer and to make sure that they actually take that offer. So you've got to have those two things in place. You've got to make the offer and then you've got to make sure that the offer actually closes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got wow. And this is probably where businesses' profits are. Well, this is definitely where businesses' profits are. So wow is all about making sure that the person who has just purchased is loving their product. Um, so content there plays a massive role. So there's actually a second really big research phase that people go through. People go through this massive research phase to figure out what product's the best thing for them. And then there's a second research phase, and that's how to use their product in the best way possible. And you want to make sure that you're capitalizing on that and you're really building a relationship with that person that's just bought your product, good onboarding, good relationship building. And then once you're sure that they're having a great time and you've checked in with them and you've asked them that they're having a great time, you get to the point where you can talk about testimonials and referrals. Yeah. Great way to increase the front end of your funnel. The really important thing is that's where you do your upsells, your cross-sells, your downsells, you name it. That's the thing to get the next purchase out of that person. How do you identify what the next logical step is and make sure that you are providing the next step in the process for that person so that you can get your profits? Because that's where profits are in the second, the third, and the fourth set. 
And so that is the, the kind of life cycle marketing framework in a nutshell. It's attract, engage, sell, and wow. And these systems are modular, they interact with one another, but it's taking people through that journey and mapping it out for your own business and being really clear about what all of the, each of the little individual bits are that you're going to do to make sure you tick all the boxes along that journey point. I love that. I, when you first started speaking, I thought, oh, this is going to be a spin of Ada. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't at all. You know, Ada, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, is uh, a common term in marketing, attention, interest, desire and action but no not not that at all for each of these four steps says you've got attract engage sell and wow Mm -hmm. Uh, i like that actually for each of those would you advise creating content around each of those sections how you tackle it yeah i mean the important thing about this is it's a framework it's a customer journey framework so all of your little things like ada if that's if that's your jam then great it fits in that framework make sure that you're ticking all of those boxes along the way. So for instance, there is something that we do that is very, very unique. We're pretty much the only company at the moment that does it. And we have something that's a really important part of our lifecycle marketing framework. And it's something called the long-term nurture. Yeah. Uh, and the long-term nurture is literally just, it doesn't matter where you come in from. doesn't matter where you, like how you've ended up. If you're a customer, if you're a lead that never converted, everybody goes into the long-term nurture. And all the long-term nurture is, is it's a series of emails that get sent out once a week that have got really useful and valuable content. So whether that's a great blog post or a really great video that you, or an awesome podcast that you released this week, whatever that content is, you're sending that out. There is no sales in it. That's the most important thing. Not a single iota of sales. It's just valuable information because the long-term nurture does is it gives you the opportunity to have multiple engagement points. So you're tracking, if you're doing this really clever, you're tracking what people are clicking on, what people are engaging with, what emails they're opening, what videos they're watching, what blogs they're clicking through to. You're tracking that because that tells you so much. That's using their behavior with the content that you're sending out to understand your audience a little bit better. It allows you to profile your audience. It allows you to figure out why are they clicking on, let's say you're a, a, financial, a financial planner. Yep. You're sending out loads of information about maybe pensions. You're sending out loads of information about cash protection. You're sending out whatever that information is. You're sending out some great information. And people are clicking on loads of stuff to do with cash protection. And you've never sold them any product to do with cash protection. If they're clicking on all of those things, they are telling you so loudly with their actions that they're interested in your cash protection product. For God's sake, sell it to them. (laughs) (laughs) They're making it so obvious, but most people don't track that. And they're not looking at that information and they're not figuring out what the next logical step is. And people's behavior tells you so much. So the long-term nurture is great because you can put leads in there. You can put people or existing customers in there. You can put whoever you want in there because you're not selling anything. You're using their behavior to sell them the appropriate product. That's, that's brilliant. That really is good. You know, and it seems to me that in most businesses, most businesses have little pockets of work where they've got a product or service that they could offer that they're not really speaking about. Yeah. You know, it's like almost this untapped potential. Yeah. Certainly thinking about a mortgage advisor that I'm working with at the moment. And uh, we found out that for him, it's about life assurance. 
and that yeah. actually by tapping into that alongside the mortgages, mm. which is a product he does, but because they're busy, they've been forgetting it, by tapping into that more, then it's going to create a really big increase in revenue. Yeah. Sometimes we miss these things as well. Um, and you've done it now because now you started talking about this. It means that we've really got to get into analytics and automation and I just, yeah. we don't have time for it now. So, you know, perhaps we'll, you'll come back another time and speak about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love talking about that kind of stuff because, I mean, there is so much that goes into it, but it's, it's just about understanding what that backbone is for your business. And if you've yeah. got a really clear customer journey and you know that when a lead comes in, I'm attracting, I'm engaging, I'm selling, I'm wowing. And you make sure that something like the long-term nurture forms part of your engaged strategy, that it's always there. It gives you the groundwork to start simple because you don't, this doesn't have to be complicated. You know, in the beginning, you can just set up a long-term nurture. So I've got a couple of clients who just started with marketing automation, like literally their first steps. I'm not going to set them up some massive behemoth of a system that they can't look after themselves. Instead, we just started with the long-term nurture and went, okay, well, the numbers are small enough. You can do this manually. So let's just send out weekly emails. Let's just track what people are clicking on on a weekly basis. Come in here, have a look. Oh, this person clicked on that thing and that thing and that thing. They're obviously really interested in this one thing that we do. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a whole complicated behemoth. You can make it so. You can make it a living, breathing, amazing system. And we certainly have done that before. That's really fun. It's like the best thing in the world to do, but you can start off really simple and make it fancy a little bit later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you're spot on. Start simple, get fancy later. Start with what is, you know, is easy to do, get that working properly, and then you just add layer after layer after layer. Uh, so I love that. I've got a couple of final questions that I want to ask you before we wrap up today, uh, Kenda. But before we do, I'm sure people are going to want to talk to you. How can they get hold of you? Well, you can uh, get hold of me on social. Um, so I'm very active on LinkedIn in particular. So it's just Kenda McDonald on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me on there. And then we're also on Twitter and that's at Automation Ninjas. But it's with only one N in the middle because uh, Twitter has a character limit for, uh. for um, names. So it's Automation Ninja um, <laughs> on, um, on Twitter. And then we're also on Instagram at Automation Ninjas as well. So those are our most common uh, platforms. Great. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put all those links on the show notes page and that will be at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 52. I know that also you've done a video recently on lifetime customer uh, value, is it? Yeah, that's it. Um, It's a great video. It kind of explains why we go through this whole process, why sort of common versions of marketing automation are, are broken Like the whole funnel concept doesn't really work. We need to be focusing more on the customer journey. So it goes into that and then it goes into how the long-term nurture actually works and how you can kind of use this to get customer lifetime value with the, with the real data set. So it ha- takes a look at a real data set and shows you how the profits are between the second, third and fourth sale and how you can get to that point. So it's quite a cool video. It's about sort of 40 minutes long. And it's normally something that I only give to people once they've signed up stuff. Okay. <laughs> but, but for you guys, I think you should just go watch it because it taps in so nicely to what we've already done. So um, the URL, you've got that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so I think just go check that out. Sure, sure. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Again, it'll be on the show notes page. It comes to my final question. Really, and this stage is the bit where I usually ask, okay, so where do people go wrong? You know, where, where do people screw up? And before we get into that, you should know that 
Today's podcast is sponsored by my very own program, the Get Real About Business Mastermind. If you've never been part of a mastermind before, you have definitely been missing out. The idea is very simple and is one that was brought to us by Napoleon Hill back when he wrote the book Think and Grow Rich. And it's simply that when two or more minds get together, the sum is greater than the individual parts. What we do is we pull the talent, the creativity and collective intelligence of small business owners like you together so you can help each other and improve your business. And you get the input not only of a sales trainer and a small business coach like me, but you also get the input and the help of other people who are running the businesses and trying things out. You get all of their help and support along the way. Now, business masterminds are not for everyone. You genuinely must have had some success in your business. If you're just starting out, this is not for you. I've got other programs for you, but this is for people who've had success in their business and they want more. So if you're looking to scale your business up, you're looking to increase sales, the Business Mastermind is absolutely the right thing for you. You will get top-notch advice for your business, how to sell more, how to grow more, how to market your business. Wherever you're at, it's about sitting down with you and saying, okay, where are you stuck? What do you want to get to? How can we help you get there? And then everybody jumps in to help you plan and strategize and get things done in your business. Hands down, it's one of my most popular programs. It's a program where Elaine Williams tripled her income within a year. It's the program where Tony Baker, one of my former guests on this show, started his business from nothing and took it for coming on 200K within a relatively short space of time. If you are serious about growing your business right now, go ahead to getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash mastermind where you'll find more information about the program and you will be able to apply to become a member of my mastermind. You have a maximum of five people in each group, so you get plenty of time to work on your business. Just visit getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash mastermind and apply for your membership today. But right now, though, let's get back to the show and hear from our guest. I guess my most immediate question comes back to this thing that a lot of people who've written blogs and created content, spent time on content marketing, is that they've probably all experienced at one time or the other where they're putting material out and they're getting crickets. Yeah. What advice could you give around that? So um, just be really data-driven about it. So um, the best way to do this is before you create content, a piece of content, whatever that piece of content is, figure out whether someone's actually interested in it. Figure out, is your audience actually interested in that piece of information? So there's two ways to do this really easily. The first is answer the questions that people are asking. Don't create something fancy, something exciting, something new. Make it really straightforward. If the big question that you get asked all the time is, how do I get more leads? Create a piece of content that is called, how do I get more leads? <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't be funny and exciting with the title. Just make it really clear. And that leads into point number two. The really cool thing that you can do is validate it with keyword research. And this sounds complicated, but it's not. You can go in and you can find out what people are actually searching for. So there are paid tools that you can use to do that. My favorite is Mangles. So I use a a tool called Mangles um, and I use it for all of my clients as well. And basically I'll take a keyword like lead generation. I'll put it into the system and it will tell me how many people are searching for that term. You know, is it something that's trending? So is, is the search term going up or is it dying off? 
Right. Um, how difficult is it to rank for that search term? So if you wanted to rank on the first page, how hard would it be? And by using a combination of those bits of information, I can go, okay, maybe lead generation as a word is, is, is too hard to go for. I shouldn't go for that. Maybe I should find something a little bit better. But it tells me what questions people are asking the internet. And that validates what I'm doing. So if I'm creating a piece of information on lead generation and I type in lead generation and I realize that like less than 100 people a month are searching for it, it's obviously not a good piece of content for me to write. In, in that way, it's really difficult to rank for because loads of businesses have thought that it's something that people should, should create content for. And if I go off and create that piece of content with that information, I'm setting myself up for failure because I'm creating content that people obviously aren't searching for, so they're not interested in it. And yeah. I'm also creating something that is really hard to rank for. So I'm going to get crickets if I'm doing that. So I like to use a keyword research tool just to help me suss a couple of things out. So even if you're not planning on ranking on page number one, Google for something, it does allow me to validate whether or not it's something that people are interested in. Because if people are interested in something, the first thing they do is they turn to their phone and they search for it. So we, we, can, we can validate our ideas about the content that we're writing by looking at how people are searching. And you can go into Google AdWords Planner as well, and you can do that for free if you've got just set up an AdWords account. You can go and have a look at some keyword research. There's loads of tools that will give you a bit of keyword research um, information. But I just like to validate my ideas before I do it because it gives me that kind of idea. But the big important thing is don't be fancy with your titles. <laughs> Just stopping. I see people write these amazing blog titles and they're so cool and so clever. But at the end of the day, we want Google to pick up the fact that we've written a really cool blog post on lead generation. <laughs> so if you've called it something really esoteric, like why getting more clients is like cleaning your oven, Google, that's not what people are searching for. You're not going to rank on page number one for it. Just yeah. write it really straightforward. Just be really blunt about it. And not only will the search engines pick it up, but when people are scanning through their social feeds and they see that you've got an article called that, it's going to hit the point where they're going, oh, yeah, that's something I'm interested in. So don't be too clever with your stuff and just yeah. grab it. And it's a bit- I've been really guilty of that in the past. So yeah, <laughs> I'd like to think I'm getting it a bit more right now. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really a good advice. Final question for you, Kendra, before we do wrap this up today. If you were to recommend one or two actions that people could take action on today just to get the ball rolling with content marketing, what should they do to get started? Okay, so sit down and write a big list of all the problems that uh, people have come to you for. It's a combination of the problems you solve um, for people. That's such a difficult exercise to do, actually. Like, I feel like I'm giving you really hard homework now. (laughs) It's a really difficult one to do. What problems do you solve and what questions have people asked you about those problems? Okay. So you might have the fact that loads of customers have come in and before they've bought something, they've asked you some specific questions. Think about it. Think, be really clear on what those questions are that people are asking. And that's what you should be writing content on pretty much. That's, that's your content plan there, but validate that with a little bit of data. So that's something that you can go away and do straight away just to get into content. But then the second thing would be to sit down and really think about what is the process that you take people through to get from being a lead to being a very happy, loyal customer who's purchased from you several times. And do you have a journey? And just start, just start drafting that out. And then maybe think about just sending some emails out to people with some great content 
Um, yeah. And just tracking and seeing what happens and how that engagement happens, it's good for too many different reasons to cover now. But just start sending some information out. It will do good for your audience. Love it. Love it. Excellent. There's some really, really good advice there. Yeah, thank you so much for all that you shared today, Kenda. What we'll do is, uh, you know, again, we'll make sure that all the links for everything you mentioned today is on the show notes page. And don't forget as well that we'll put a cheat sheet alongside this episode that takes you through the four different stages that Kenda has uh, laid out there for you for the customer lifetime journey. And I'll put in some questions and some prompts there for you to, to work that out. So you've got to, a starter for 10 to get working on this. Don't forget that Today can be useful or it can be interesting. Hopefully, it's going to be both for you. The only way it becomes useful is if you put it to use. So do take some action. Go ahead to the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 52. Download that cheat sheet. Get involved with us. And if you want to talk to us more, then do come along and join me on my uh, Facebook group. The link is on the show notes page. I want to wrap up by thanking you so much for everything that you've shared today, Kenda. And thank you to my listeners for being here would be absolutely pointless to me doing this otherwise. We'll be back next week with more hints and tips and strategies for you to grow your business. Until then, take care of yourself. It's to you and your highly successful business.